Okay, so <clears throat> shake it out, baby. Shake it out. Okay, you ready? I'm, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be, which, uh, hang on a second. Okay, welcome everyone to the inaugural episode of the Get Your Story Straight podcast. Uh, my name is Bill True. I am a screenwriter and screenwriting professor. And my partner in crime here is Mr. Carl Williams. Carl, can you introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Carl Williams, and I'm Bill's partner in crime. <laughs> Who is also a uh, a screenwriter and screenwriting professor. Uh, and we, Carl, is it, it's 18 years now that we've known each other. Wow, yeah, which, it almost which, is. Which is shocking, because I'm only 19 years old. I know, it's the math doesn't. It's fuzzy. It doesn't really. Uh, Carl and I, by the way, uh, met each other at the 2005 whew, Austin Film Festival, um, at which time, Carl, I think only one other person has matched your feat of winning three screenwriting awards in a single year at Austin. But I think that they won it with three scripts. And you are still the king because you won it with two scripts. Uh, that is that is correct. And uh, I, I don't know about the record of what came after me because I'm very self-absorbed. So I really haven't paid attention. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I hear that someone matched my record, but. Yeah. But didn't do it with as much panache and style. Yeah. yeah you got to have flair. They didn't, uh, they didn't show up with a newborn baby. The they way didn't. They no, no, uh, no. Who, who now is 17 years old, uh, which is strange because, again. I, I think we're only nineteen right. or twenty at this moment, and, and I, uh, I'll I'll cop to being thirty, but that right. that still is very fuzzy math. So, uh, and I love this part of the conversation because when people actually see the video of this podcast, they'll be like, oh, "That's just not a very funny joke," because they're older than dirt. Yeah, <laughs> been around the screenwriting block. People seeing it, this is <laughs> right. We have voices, wait, faces made for radio, for podcasts. Speaking uh, yes. of podcasts, um, so just so our listeners know, this is what we're trying to accomplish with um, Get Your Story Straight. Oh, good. So uh, <clears throat> what we want to do is every episode um, bring a, a guest on, and the guest is going to be a, uh, a screenwriter, duh, right? Uh, preferably somebody that is what they call these days pre-WGA. Uh, somebody who is kind of working toward breaking through in the industry, although we may have uh, people at a variety of places in their screenwriting careers. At times, we actually might even just do plain up interviews and whatever. But the but the core idea with Get Your Story Straight is to um, is to work with these people when they have vexing story problems. Do you think that was that the right word? Vexing story problems? Yeah, it's a little old timey. A little well. You know? I uh, I'm actually going to cop to 35, so yeah. it's probably. We're, I think the uh, the the young people today would say struggle. They're struggling. <laughs> yeah, they're okay. So struggling. They're struggling with their story problems for uh for whips as they call them, works in progress. Wow. Um, or just you. you. Know, I know. Well, you know, I'm the really up to date on industry the lingo. lingo. Exactly. And uh, and so because the the thing that Carl and I um both do with 
huge swaths of our lives is um, in addition to being writers, we're also screenwriting professors. So I've been really fortunate to uh, be the residential faculty and department chair at the Scottsdale School of Film and Theater for a number of years. Uh, Carl teaches as an adjunct professor for us at the Scottsdale School of Film and Theater. And we're kind of at the point now where we've, I don't know if we've seen it all, but we've seen a lot of it. And one of the things that, um, Carl, I think you you and I were talking about is we've seen a lot of screenwriting podcasts, but not one that really is dedicated to helping um, writers kind of get through the the problems, get through, you know, when they're stuck, you know, somebody to kind of help give them the tools to work through the stuckness and thought that we would do it by actually helping somebody on the air, so to speak, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, hopefully then people watching, if they're having a similar issue, will hear the solution to that and be like, oh, yeah, I know I know what flavor of that I can apply to the work that I'm struggling with right now. Yeah, and because the, the myself unblocked. Exactly, because the inspiration for this, by the way, was um, one of the classes that we teach is uh, we call FMT 121, which is a story theory class. It's ostensibly the, the first screenwriting class, but everybody in our major has to take it. And one of the things we all do over the course of that class, because everybody that takes class has to come up with their own feature story and actually outline it and write um, the the first up, up to the what well, you'd call the inciting incident, right? Write the or if you're in, we use uh, eight sequence parlance here in the uh, at SSFT, and we would call it writing the A sequence. But the but the real point is is as we're kind of the students are working through these. Um, stories, we're having them do story consultations with uh, with the professors. And the thing that we're hearing time and time again is it's great to have, it's great, Carl, if I'm working with you on your story, but we do these, we do these consultations where two students have to, are in the room at the same time. One student is listening to one of us consult with the other student. And time and time again, we hear that the student who's listening is the one that feels like they're getting the most out of it. Yeah. Be, be, and so that's what we're hoping that the audience gets that we we certainly want to um help uh the writers that we interview um kind of work through and find their way through to the other side of this of whatever problem they're uh experiencing but as you were saying we really hope the listeners kind of by being witness to that really get something out of it as well for their own works in progress so that's how get your story straight uh, will work. So yeah. the other thing that we want to do, so let, we'll just start it though. The other thing that we thought we would do before um, our, our special interview guests show up is um, we thought that we would uh, start each episode with um, airing a screenwriting grievance, I suppose, oh, or, or, st- or talk about a pet peeve that uh, that we have. And uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot, Williams. Uh, so what what is it that you know, and really the the whole idea is, I mean, it's it's kind of half jokingly that we're calling them pet peeves, but but really things that that newer writers should be looking out for that that maybe they're feeling a little too precious about or are misinformed about or or are doing you know incorrectly that we can help kind of dispel myths, blah 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 blah. So maybe I should say this is the MythBuster part of the you know of the program. Although I think that's copywritten, and I probably just screwed our entire podcast yeah, by mentioning we're, it. We're uh, already being sued. <laughs> as well it should be uh so so we'll call it i don't even know we we even have a name for this part of the program so let's just call it that thing where we talk about pet peeves i think that's a really great title 
Sure. Script peeves. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your pet peeve? You know, my uh, one of my pet peeves is people, uh, a screenwriter will have an idea for a story or so they think. And what they really have is sort of like a scenario or a situation. You know, you'll get a, a group of people stuck at a ski resort. Uh, trying Wait, that's, to escape. That's my next idea. What are you oh. talking about? No, well, it's actually, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. name so, but, names, but I thought right, maybe exactly, you could use exactly. Wait, Is this me we're talking about? So, but anyways, a bunch of people stuck at a ski resort. Yeah, there's no, you get something that's kind of like, a, it's the backdrop of a story, but yeah. it doesn't have a protagonist and it doesn't have anything they particularly want. There's no antagonist or major force of opposition that they have to go up against. And it, it's really sort of like um, the backdrop. Yeah, of what of what could be a story, but there's no story there. There's not even like a main. And I know, character. I know what you mean because then people, those people, um, oftentimes are like expecting to write the script. Yeah, like I'm ready. I, I honestly can't. I can't say that it's a pet peeve. It's just yeah. something that I see a lot, and yeah. I think we're equipped to actually help somebody through that and discover what their story is. It's but um one of the reasons why, um, you know it, when I. When I do my first class session for story theory, um, the the first thing that I do is talk about the difference between an idea and a story yeah. and, and, and help people understand the differentiation between the two. Because I think you're right. It's like I think a lot of people come to the come to the table with these scenarios or with a character or with a world, especially, you know, not not to ding on the younger crowd, but especially the younger crowd comes with the world, I think because of video games and how immersive they are, you know, and, and you, and world building becomes really important and <clears throat> world building is great. And is certainly an essential part of storytelling, but it's not storytelling. Yeah. You know, it's, and a, that, and, it's slightly different. Yeah. And I, I, I see what you mean is that I think people come in with a great idea, which of world building and what have you, a scenario is part of that, um, idea, but but I think that they're not realizing there's another step, as yeah. I think what you're saying, right? I, I think there's a lot of baby writers that haven't <clears throat> th thought deeply about what the the fundamental yeah. element of stories are, and haven't thought about like I need a character that changes right over time because of the obstacles they encounter, and this is like the spine of a story. And yeah, I agree. Well, in fact, if you're you know watching. Uh, playing video games and watching TikTok videos and not really watching movies and TV shows, you're probably not getting that. Well, because what you're seeing is isolated events in time. Yeah, you know, exactly. and, and you're right. I think that in some respects, there's a confusion there. What What are the things? As I was talking about this, um, this part of this lecture that I do, where I differentiate between uh, ideas and stories, um. One of the things that I talk about is ideas are, and this really speaks to what you just said. Ideas are static, and and the and stories are about. Are, well, I say stories are dynamic, which really means they're about change. I stole right? that. Did you? I teach that in all my classes. I stole okay, that. Well, from you. and let me make a note. You'll be hearing from my lawyer in the near future. I'll give you a list of all the other material that I <laughs> have stolen from you as well. But 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 it speaks to this idea that a, that a, that a character has to change, a character has to transform, or and if you don't have that idea of change in you know in the thing that you're doing, 
it by definition isn't a story yet. It's just an idea because it's yeah. static. And the example that I always use is, um, you know, it's like, let's write a movie about werewolves. Yeah. You know, werewolves I, is a great idea. What's that? I stole that too. Oh my God. It's it's werewolves in the Civil War was the yes it's the werewolves in the because well and and the and the reason why I I talk about that is is like where and I just jump just like werewolves but where mm-hmm. do you go with it you know like fade in there's a werewolf you know and and I said well we can even expand that a little bit right and it can be werewolves during the Civil War it's like yeah. it's a werewolf it's the civil it's a Civil War battlefield you know and you might even get a couple of pages you might get a scenario out of that you know but then you're gonna stop because it's nothing. You know, and then I even say it could be a bit, even about a, a train robbery during the Civil War with where and like it starts get really getting interesting. But at some point, you know, as you're just expanding the, you know, the static. The, you know, the world you're you're you've got a world in a situation, but you don't have yeah, a character, but you don't have and, a character and you don't have a character going through a transformation. I think that's the, you know, the the thing that you're talking about. The The, the other thing that. When I have that conversation, though, I say, so the the dynamic and the change thing is first. But you also have to recognize that, you know, that I was talking about ideas are elements, right? It's like you have you have all these elements that are that are cool and elements in in storytelling parlance would be um, this idea that. You know, I've got, I might have a character. I might have certain scenes that I want. I might have certain things that I want to have happen, but, but they don't mean anything, you know? And, and the, the definition for, or the, the, the term that I use that defines stories over ideas is they're not elements, they're constructs. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that people don't really is that, get. Is that your pet peeve? What's your um, pet peeve? That, that people have elements but not constructs. Yeah, is that your peeve? I, well, yeah. Well, I think it's your peeve. I think that's oh. what it is. I because my point is that I think it's the same thing. Because what people aren't understanding is I have all the I, so I might have this, this idea and it's static, <clears throat> and I may even glom onto it all these kind of things that I want to have happen during my movie, but I don't. But I don't understand. Not only do I not need change, but movies operate right by the elements lining up in a very certain way so people understand it as a movie. Does that make sense? So they understand it as a as a story that flows. Um, one of the terms I'm, I I know that you and I both use that that um, the listeners are going to probably um, be sick of by the time we're done with this podcast is moviness. That's where the, that idea of moviness that we talk about comes from. That, you know, I, I say... Listen, you can have a bunch of elements. I, like I'm in a room, I'm looking at a drywall, paint, carpeting, you know, uh, metal tiles, and and if you just, I, I have the, all of those. But if they're just in a pile in the parking lot, they're just a bunch of things, right? It's how you put them together a certain way that gives the meaning of the classroom or the office space or the bathroom or the kitchen or the whatever. And you have to put elements a certain way in order to to have people recognize it as a movie story. Does that make sense? You know? And it makes sense so I to think, me. I, yeah, I think, but I think it's part of the pet peeve that that people have these scenarios and like, it's okay. It's like, you know, but, but it's not a movie yet because it doesn't have change. And because you might have all these elements, you have to line them up a certain way in order for an audience to perceive the moviness of it, right? And and obviously the, the term 
that we use is structure, right? That's movie structure. And yeah. and pe- and people want to bend the idea of stories need change and stories have structure to their ideas will, right? Instead of the other way around. And I think that's the I think that's what's behind your pet peeve. If if I'm if I'm reading your mind, I'm guessing that that's what's behind your pet peeve. <laughs> that uh yes, it is. Very well done. <laughs> so uh that's all yeah. we have today. Yep, thanks everyone. Well, I bet but you know, the next part of it is is why is it a problem? I mean, I I, I this may sound um repetitive, but what problems do people, you know what I mean, that don't that don't understand that? What problems does it create for them, do you think, along the road as they're as as they're trying to write this thing out? I think the problem becomes at a certain point and then probably fairly early in the script, you begin to realize that this story is not coalescing around anything. Mm-hmm. We're just sort of bouncing around this right. situation or this world. Right. And if it if there's not a main character who wants something, there's nothing, there's no engine that's driving the story forward. Yeah. They tend to ramble, right? Meander or just kind of, you know, ha- be... Um, that's what I find is, is, or, or they, they tend to be very vignette like, mm-hmm. you know, they can tend to be a series of happenings instead, like saying, if you don't have somebody that's driving towards something, yeah. you know, well, even though it's really reductive, I, it really helps my screenwriting students. When I talk about movies being one character going on one adventure to learn one lesson, mm. you know, and, and adventure, you can substitute the word action and you can also substitute the word objective, you know, mm-hmm. so one character trying to achieve one objective to learn and, and in the process learns one lesson, you know, and I think that's the thing that if you'd really distill it down, that's what they're missing. You know, they they, they might even have the notion of an adventure, but 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 because they don't have a character that needs to change and they don't understand in essence, the lesson, the thematic journey that they're going to go on, you know, there's no way to drive it forward. And that's why it becomes. Amazing. Yeah, I, 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 I see it like even more fundamental than that. Like very often there is no protagonist oh, who yeah. wants something, right. which is just the basic plot right. of any right. story. Right. And they're lacking that. It's like, you know, four friends in the woods who want to survive and they haven't, you know, they've seen Cabin in the Woods or played yeah. a video game that was like that. And they haven't sat and thought about, okay, but that story had one main character who wanted something all right. along. And that's the scenario or the situation that they were in. But there was more to it than that. And they didn't see that. Mm. They didn't get that step back and get that 360 view of what a story actually is. Yeah, well, that you're right. I mean, that... um but then sometimes you tell them that and they're I'm trying to I'm I'm teeing up your peeve. <laughs> I'm trying to it's for another episode anyway. To, it's for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're a couple of podcasting professionals here, people. We're uh... Oh yeah. You can just <laughs> you can just let the skill the feeling of skill just wash over you. Yeah. Do you think uh, our audience will think about us like a like a really um promising television show that's going to take a few episodes to get our feet under us 
<laughs> but by episode six, people, you're going to start. Oh, seeing... we're going to be. This is going to be a action adventure. Yeah, it's going to be like mildly erotic. It's going to be. <laughs> Whoa! Excuse me. Uh, it's going to be excuse something. Me. Stick around. Stick around. This is like, yeah, because people, you know, people when they start watching a, a new podcast or a new TV show are very patient about. Uh, yeah, I'm, was... I'm sure this will find its groove. Yes, I, I hope that our audience is very patient as well. <laughs> All right. So uh, we will be right back in a few moments with our special guest and uh, hang out and we'll see you in a couple seconds. Okay, we are back. And um, as we're back, we have uh, Mr. Jim Piccarello, uh, although from my native Italy, uh, as I come from, you can tell by my, my by my accent, we would pronounce it, I believe, Jim a, Piccarello. It's just off to a great start. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this would be one of those things that we talked about that we should cut out of the podcast, and yet we're not going to. Uh, so, well, Jim, it was yeah, no, I was just going to say it's great to be on the podcast. Thank yeah, you for inviting oh, me. Oh, right. I, sorry. Yes, we should uh, have formalities on our podcast. I forgot about that. Uh, that's, you what, can tell... that's what people who know how to do uh, podcasts sound like, though. Maybe we do a take two. Uh, so, Jim, let me introduce you, and then you can, we can say all these nice things about each other. So Jim's a screenwriter and a filmmaking uh, filmmaker, sorry, breaking into the industry from rural coastal Maine. Uh, a surefire uh, plan, as you say in your bio. Uh, Jim's <laughs> scripts are high placing in the nickels in the blacklist, uh, and his family animated feature script, Igor and Frankie, is both in the top 1% and number 13 of family features of all time on Coverfly's top list. It's uh, currently attached to a shopping agreement. Congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, oh. Jim is also a two-time pitch finalist at the Austin Film Festival and a Stowe Story Labs alum. You wanted me to trip over that on purpose for the Bicariello thing. Uh, his short films are official selections and winners at wicked fancy film festivals, and he even made a short for Sesame Street. Jim, welcome to Get Your Story Straight. Thank you so much. And thanks for inviting me. This is great. That was very good. That was perfect. That was exactly the way it should go on a podcast. Let's remember that for next time. So Carl, I'm actually surprised you and Jim don't know each other. Jim is a freaking flyer at Austin. I'm surprised too. I, I haven't been there in a while, but I went many years in a row. So I'm, I'm surprised our paths haven't crossed before. I know it's, it is one of those things where I'll bump into somebody at a film festival and say, yeah, I always go to the Austin film festival for the screenwriters competition. And they'll, they'll say, Oh, I've, I've been for the last 10 years. I'm like, so have I. Yeah. And it's just like, we never, yeah, yeah. a lot of people there. It, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, um, uh, of a, of an ocean to wade through though at the Driscoll, oh, yeah. right. You know, for when sure. you're trying to recognize people and, and I'm always trying to flee the Driscoll because of the, you know, it's so loud. I can't hear anyone. Right. You, know, you have to so. shout talk at, at everyone. <laughs> yeah. So how screenwriting in Maine? I'm curious about that. Like, you know, it, it's, so how long have you lived in Maine and, how how was it breaking into the screenwriting industry up there? Oh, the the enormous um, yeah. main screenwriting industry. <laughs> That's what I was um, hinting at. The... Yeah, I'm essentially it. Um, there's 18 people here in Maine, and I'm a major percentage of screenwriters here. So, um, I we my wife and I moved up here 20 years ago, some odd years ago, from the Boston area. And um, we did the whole hippie thing where we cleared the land and built our own house. And it's a nice house. Oh, wow. It's not like an arts and crafty yeah. house. Yeah. 
And uh, at some point I rediscovered my love of film when I was a little kid, I'd make animations and like, you know, documentaries. And, you know, we even did a mockumentary of, of Spinal Tap. So it's like a mockumentary, mockumentary. <laughs> and, um, and my wife was getting a degree in um, uh, nonfiction writing and had to take a session, uh, did a session in screenwriting. And she came oh, back yeah. with McKee's story. <clears throat> right. She's like, I think you would like this. And I read it and I was, addicted that was like 12 years ago yeah so i read everything i could i never went to film school or or anything like that took a couple of sessions here and there yeah but aside from that um the script that i'm sure you're going to ask me about but the script that i'm going to talk about today was actually my first script i ever wrote and the third draft made it to the nickel oh my and, god congrats yeah the the quarter finalist yeah, yeah. and yeah. that yeah. was beyond a shock yeah. Um. In, in, yeah, it was beyond a shock and it was extreme luck, actually. There's no, there's no way that anyway. So um, we can talk more about that. But yeah, in terms of Maine, um, I bumped into, believe it or not, the area that I'm in has a handful of writer celebrities, not much um, like Michael Shabon comes up here and I've got yeah. to hang out with him a couple of times briefly and he's written everything and um, and, you know, a, a few other people that come in the summer. But aside from that, there's really no one in my, I'm in the down East region near Bar Harbor. And as far as I can tell, there's no one up here that does this at least seriously. I, so, I would imagine though that, I, I mean, I originally was in Minnesota when I sold my first script and um, got a lot of cachet for being the guy from Minnesota. I would imagine being the guy from Maine is helpful in some respects. Hundred um, percent. Every year, I'm the only guy from Maine at the Austin Film Festival uh, Screenwriters Conference, um, except for one year, and I was furious. I'm like, oh, I got to beat this guy up or something. Did but, you kill uh, them and, and yeah, and park their bodies somewhere? Sorry, this is not a true crime podcast, but we're unearthing. Carl, there's nothing this podcast can't do. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I hear in that that uh, that, that person did, never returned. Yeah. So. Let's just leave it at that. That's what, that's all we're going to say. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. And we'll leave it at that for sure. So, yeah. So in terms of, but you're right. I mean, in this day and age, um, you can start from anywhere. Um, yeah. When I first started, you know, there were rumors like 12 years ago, there were rumors like if they even whiff that you're not outside of LA, they don't want to talk to you. And that's quickly changed. And then mm -hmm. quantum leap changed, I believe since um, the C word COVID. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, so, you know, and I always preface any kind of online meeting or anything. When I talk to people, I'm like, needless to say, if there's an opportunity, I'm gone. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll come to where you are. I don't yeah. need to be in Maine, you know. I, I think that's a perfect. I, listen, I always tell people, people ask me about being a Hollywood screenwriter, you know, and I was like, and I'm like, anybody can be a Hollywood screenwriter. I, you know, I live in Phoenix. Carl lives in Ohio. You know, I, I mean, but we're L.A. screenwriters. And and I say the, the only difference is, is you have to be willing to work harder, you know, and, and it's proportionate to the number of miles you are from L.A. city center, you know. Right. And, and if you're, you know, if you're willing to tell people or people understand that you're willing to put in that work. And like I said, you're willing to go to them. I think mm -hmm. people have always been um, appreciative of that. But I agree with you. I think that in some respects, not being in the beltway is a um is a net positive these days right and i i years ago i did the math and this was like 10 years ago when i was like oh do we move do i move my family of four <laughs> to la on a dream because what could go wrong there 
Um, or do I stay here in a house that I built that I have an unbelievably low, if not nothing, mortgage right. and save? Like I did the math and it's like, I could, I'm saving $22,000 a year just staying where I am. And that's yeah. a lot of trips to LA if I need it to is. do it, right? So Carl, yeah. what is your advice? He should just move, right? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> moving to LA is a, uh, it's, the, it's, for the, it's for the young person who has an internship coming up. Yeah. In which case they should do it. They should do it. Um, But, you know, moving to LA to become a screenwriter is, uh, sorry, but my, my advice is don't, don't blow up your life. Yeah. For that. In, in, in my opinion, in in the last few years, it's almost done a 180 degree turnaround where there's a, there's sort of this thing of uh, they want you a little bit more if you don't need them Mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm. Um, you're uh you're somewhat more attractive if you're like yeah I'm in Maine and I'm I'm not leaving Maine. I mean, well, and the other thing is, like you said, you've got a family of four. You saved twenty two thousand dollars by now living there, and you're able to kind of make the nut of your life. You know, and and I'm always like, screw the idea that you have to suffer for your art. You know, I I do I I'm so I write so much better. When, you know, I know that I've got my bills paid. <laughs> right. right, 100%. And the roof over my head is safe. <laughs> well, and the area right. that I'm in is relatively, I mean, it's it's near enough stuff, but it's, you know, yeah. I'm in the woods. Down the street is the ocean. Um, there are mountains and farms. And it's like, you can, and, and every corner looks like a postcard from yeah. Maine. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm so, so sorry. That sounds terrible. I yeah. My condolences to you and your family. Well, you know, I mean, there's <laughs> obviously a downside. You know, my na- my closest neighbors are like that I, that I, you know, enjoy spending time with are two towns over, which is 35 minutes away. Right. And, um, right. and also, you know, if I want Ethiopian food, I have to drive three hours. So, you know, <laughs> right. So, right. right. So there's, yeah. So there's, but, but all the but, maple syrup you'd ever want. hundred percent. Believe you it or not, just, you also can buy maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he just but, had to get that maple syrup line. In. I did. He's been, I, I, he's been I kept waiting. That, what's that? Go ahead. You've been waiting like 24 to 36 hours. I have just so you know, mention maple syrup, Jim. I really don't oh, you know mean for Maine. Oh yeah. yeah. I really don't know if Maine has anything to do with maple syrup, but yeah, I just, we have, we have maple syrup, you know, New Hampshire, Vermont, Canada. Like I told you, us. Carl, you know, yeah, I'm just, aware on, on that. Well, maybe we should talk about your work <laughs> in progress, your whip as they, as no, the I, I want to talk about Maine some more. Okay. <laughs> as long as we focus on the maple syrup, right, just right. to drive yeah. Carl Williams mad. That's my, uh, that's, that's really the only goal of, so the reason why I'm doing the podcast, Jim, I know you think we're here to help you, but it's really just my plot to slowly drive Carl mad over uh, months and months and months. By the, by episode 12, he's going to be. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm here for you for that. Yeah, it'll just be a, it'll be an empty chair. Carl, why don't you launch the conversation with Jim? Yeah, so Jim, tell us about the the script, and we're going we're you're going all the way back to the first script that you ever wrote, and I imagine you're going to go back and uh, with everything that you've learned since then, and 100%, uh, yeah, make it even better. Although it sounds like it was pretty good to start with. Well, it was at the time. I mean, I can uh, the the general idea of the script. Um, just to give you a little background, in my 20s, I was recruited into a mind control cult. Um, it was a spiritual cult. I'm perfectly fine. I've done all the work. 
It's in the past. I'm not a weirdo. I mean, I am, but not for those reasons. Now you're in a new and cult called screenwriting. No kidding. And so <laughs> I, um, one thing that I realized when I came out of that, and I could talk about, you know, mind control forever, but one thing that I realized, which was interesting is that people in cults believe that cults exist. They're just incapable of believing that they're in one. So then I thought, well, what if two people fell in love as it, and they were in different cults and they realized the other one was a cult and they fell in love as they tried to save each other. So it's a dark rom-com called The Cult of Us. And like I said, it was a, you know, an early, I mean, the early draft was a Nichols quarterfinalist. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and, you know, which was super lucky. The one thing that, um, well, first of all, I, I feel like I'm a much better writer, obviously, 10 years yeah. later, uh, nine years later. Right. But um, but also it doesn't hold up anymore. Like 500 Days of Summer was one of my favorite movies and it kind of inspired the tone of mine. Mm -hmm. But then you watch it again and you're like, you can't say shit like that. That's not a joke you can say anymore. And in fact, like as I read it, like a couple of years ago, reread it, I was sweating. I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> I, I made that joke. That's just awful. And at the time it was like, that's a funny joke. So um, it was a different time. After reading it like that, I realized that, well, I realized two things. The thing about the humor, um, the fact that I made the female of the uh, couple a um, manic pixie dream girl, right? Who had no yeah. agency of her own. She was just mm -hmm. there to sort of react to and whatever to the male character. And also the male character was reacting and motivated in the exact same way I was when I was in my cult. Right. Mm -hmm. So that means that the story itself was limited by my person. Like it was on iron rails, no matter yeah. which way the story needed to go. Mm -hmm. So I did two things. One, I did a um, I did a page one rewrite where in my memory, I remembered the major beats that I thought were really successful that I could sort of work with. And then I took a draft and it was, you know, the male character still started making a lot of the choices that I would have made. And it was like, I can't yeah. do anything else. And then my wife said, make them lesbians. And I was like, oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. So they were both women reacting. I mean, if if there's you know a generalization, how women would make choices as opposed to a knucklehead man yeah. would make choices, right? Because the, the main character is kind of a knucklehead. I mean, he's a smart guy, but he's obviously limited. In, in but if, any, if anything, to give yourself a little, I mean, I did it with a rom-com that I wrote a couple of years ago that um, that I've been stewing on for 10 years. And I realized it, it was in essence about my relationship with my dad. And, and I was, you know, and, and, and like history was too tangled up in it. And I was sitting talking uh, or listening to a, uh, a panel from a mutual friend of Carl's and my Jessica Yingling, who was talking mm -hmm. about rom-coms. And I was like, Oh, what if it was a woman, you know, just get, and really just give myself a little distance. So I think that's a, that's a really smart thing because you can be more inventive, right? You know, right. You and yourself... what's interesting. Yeah. And then once I did all of that, um, I wanted to make sure the tone was right because once again, middle-aged guy, grown yeah. white guy, growing up in the seventies and eighties, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of insight do I have? So I have a close friend who is a lesbian and a screenwriter and a filmmaker that I trust. And I love her comic, uh, comedic, um, you know, uh, point of view. Yeah. And I gave it to her and she said, well, there was nothing offensive that I could 
pick out. There wasn't anything that uh, wasn't something that a lesbian would say per se. But she says, I got to be totally honest with you because she read the first draft way back when. She goes, I loved the first draft. I love it was a man and woman. I can see that one Even though I'm a lesbian, I enjoy rom-coms more when, for whatever reason, it's a man and a woman. And so then Uh I was able to rewrite it where the man essentially, the male essentially had the same same arc, same wants, same desires, um, same flaws as the female character. But guess what? It wasn't the way I would have as a person personally made those choices. So it freed me. And then I got to put it back to the way it was. Now, another thing that was limiting in this rewrite um, is that I still had the motivations of the original character stuck in my head. And I redefined, I totally redefined the characters, what their motivations were, but they were still kind of on iron rails in terms of how they would react and what they would say. Mm. So then I realized, oh, I actually, I didn't realize this. I actually switched their personalities and uh, and and arcs and motivations. Yeah. Uh, as compared to the first, oh, excuse me, as compared to the first um drafts you know you, the mean first you, you mean you switch them with each other yeah meaning like the male had one uh goal in the first drafts right and then it it switched so he now in this newest draft he now has the new uh, he has the what was the female goal i don't know if i'm explaining this right but yeah no i think you are and and yeah. i'm gonna back this up for a second because i think mm. what might help is um for you to kind of walk us through those kind of the main beats of the story sure you know and 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 then talk a little bit about where um where you you think that it's stumbling and obviously we're going to ask you questions along the way um i do want to put a pin in this idea though that um about these uh, the 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 man having the objective and the woman having the, having an objective that might be competing objectives because we were just talking about before you know i was defined to my students that movies are about one character on one adventure to learn one lesson, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I draw that line, I draw it on a pyramid and, and it's like one corner of the pyramid. And I say, you know, the, a pyramid is built of a blocks that support the point of the pyramid. And that, and so you can have blocks that are subplots, sub objectives, characters, ideas, themes, what have right, you. Right. right. But they all have to support the point of the movie, which is one character on one adventure to learn one lesson. So I, 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 I'm curious and I don't, I just want to hear the story now, but I'm mm-hmm. curious if that might be one thing that is, that is causing a little bit of upset, you know, a disturbance in the force of your movie, because you've got two competing objectives Right. And it's overcomplicating, right, the the plot and making things a little watering things down and making them a little bit convoluted, you know, but we can put a pin in that. But I, I wonder if that right. might be one of the things that's getting in the way. Uh, I think I think that is a challenge. Um, I've, I've sort of made it um, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell the story in a second, but um, I did try to make it where they were on there. It was almost like they were the stars of their own movie. Right. Yeah. And then and they had parallel lives that did inter intersect. And and I know that's a difficult thing to do if there was any leaning towards who's the main protagonist. I would say it's the male character. Right. It could have been the, uh, the female, but for whatever reason, it, it in my gaze, you know, right. it's the male right. character. But I, I can already tell you, I, I think 
and Carl, I'm, I, I'm going to flip it to you in a second because I'm kind of wondering about what your thought is. I mean, without even hearing the story, I, mm-hmm. I think one of my suggestions automatically is going to be is to really pick one and yeah. to lean very heavily into it. Um, right. Because it's it's not that movies can't have, you know, to be two-handers, right? because they certainly can, but, you know, but they tend to be about one character upon one adventure, you know, at least kind right. of in the basic, I was call it, I don't know, this is a weird mixed metaphor, but I call it the grassy meeting of storytelling, or, you mm-hmm. know, movie storytelling, you know, kind of that main, you know, drag, you know, of rom-com structure, yep. you know, you, you don't want to upset the apple cart of, of that too much. And I think, yep. you know, and, and I'm guessing you're burning pages and you're burning beats by trying to have these two things, by serving these two things with equal weight, or relatively right. equal weight. And, and I think and that's the earlier the things that's getting your way. Yeah. And I think the earlier draft of this new, call it, you know, 3.0 draft, um, that was initially my problem is yeah. that I was trying to give them equal screen time, yeah. equal, you know, but, um, but honestly, the female characters, I realized she didn't, she made her own choices. She had agency, but she didn't push the story along. It was almost right. like she was, she was truly independent. You know, it's just like if this male character came in and out of her life, it's it's just sort of like, OK, I'll just keep going on. Whereas the male right. character was really pushing and, and you know, pushing things along. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you in think the wrong Carl, way and right way? I'm kind of curious. To, I mean, because one of the things I'm going to suggest is like in the new thing that I wrote is I solved it by having the basically the love interest be the antagonist for the or an antagonizing mm-hmm. force for mm-hmm. my which gives them, you know, similar screen time. And, right. and puts them in the same story, the same objective, but on opposite sides of the equation. Uh, what right. do you think, Carl? I'm curious. So that was going to be my feedback too, actually. Buddy movies and and romantic movies, typically one of the characters is really the protagonist. Their love interest or their friend is the, actually the other, is the antagonist in the story. Right, right. Which is why <laughs> you often see in buddy movies or, or romantic comedies, um, there's, a, there's yet a third different character who is the villain mm. but they're not actually in it all that much and they're not the antagonist the real antagonist yes exactly yeah right is the buddy or the the love interest so um i think you could do this kind of story where they're on parallel paths at first mm. but it and i assume that's probably how it is in your script those paths merge and one of them sort of becomes like the force of opposition to the other in addition to being the person that they're falling in love with right and, right um and, and maybe that is the missing ingredient or maybe it's not so um, maybe walk through the beat the main beats right now uh, you know understanding that you know it's always the interesting thing is like the about about working with writers it's like even before you hear the story and you start to hear these issues you can right. start diagnosing what maybe some of the you know but what what, what some of the breakdowns are and i assume that kind of in when we start talking about you know how you can fix this in the 4.0 or the 5.0 version of where it is, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the recommendations we're going to be making are, have you considered this storyline, you know, but oh, for walk sure. us through That'll the be beats. Helpful. Yeah. So, um, and you'll also hear that there are a lot, of, you'll be like, Oh, there are a lot of moving pieces to this. Right. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up at the end. What, what I mean by that, but you'll probably be able to pick it out. So, um, you know, we start with these two main characters, Ren, uh, the male and Lena, the female, in college, we have a meet cute, right? Where Ren uh, and Ren is, 
he's kind of the philosophy major type who's a cynic, right? Who's everything's logical and you can, he wants to disagree with and break everything apart just like, so he can feel, you know, smarter. And Lena is one of those uh, giving types who just sees the best in everybody. She's a Bernie follower, you know, and, uh, you know, he meets her and has a sparkle in the eye and then notices she's giving someone a tarot card reading and is just like, fuck that shit. Right. And so, you know, they they interact a couple of times real briefly, even in a montage. And I love montages. I'm sorry. And um, in the beginning, just to wrap up, like how they met years later. Ren is just feeling like, you know, he's a philosophy major. He's he's stumbling through life. There's not there's no reason for anything. He, he doesn't believe in spirituality or religion. Everything is full of shit. The world's full of shit. Nothing is of value. Um, Lena is a social worker. She's trying to, you know, make a difference and connect with people. And, and she, you know, what often happens with social work is like the, the people you're trying to help, they don't step up for themselves, right? And so they have their own block. So she can't connect with those people. So Ren gets wrapped up for a variety of reasons in a meditation group, which is what happened to me. And in that meditation group, they invite him to see who they believe is one of these enlightened masters, like the Moses, the Buddha, the um, Krishna, you know, uh, name mm -hmm. your saint mm -hmm. or, or, or enlightened being. And so he's, you know, critical of it, but he's like, all right, I'll give it a try and see what's up. And, um, and, and Lena gets invited to essentially what will become a uh, MLM, a multi-level marketing group where you're trying to save the world by finding sort of a psychic connection with someone and selling this product that also, you know, um, opens up people's minds without it being a hallucinogen or anything like that. And, um, and also what you find out is that it's sort of like, uh, it's, it's, you go out on dates with people to find temporary love, have sex with them. They get interested and then you invite them to this organization that, that gets discovered later. Ren gets pulled into this organization and in the desert on a retreat, there's this uh, woman that comes out. She's a, she's a total wise ass, a total cynic, believes the world is full of shit. And she is the one that can show everybody what the truth is. And in the desert, she makes the whole desert turn gold. She turns shapes. She can make the stars move around. Now, of course, Ren's sitting there um, after this woman's uh, dialogue or monologue, and he's just like, am I being drugged? What the hell is going on? And then everything, she slaps, you know, claps and everything stops. And she's, and he's thinking, drugs don't stop on command, <laughs> right. right? And so, um, so in that moment, he's like, I'm in for life. This is the way, you know, it's like, I just had an experience like all of these historical people had experiences with enlightened beings. Um, cut to, they bump into each other, uh, at, at a, um, a radar our hypnotist show. Sorry if this is belabored going along, but um, Ren needs a place to say, Lena just lost a roommate. And it's kind of like that, oh shit, sort of situation yeah. for Ren. Cut to them as roommates. Um, Ren obviously is holding, you know, his, his uh, trying to keep quiet his feelings for her and, 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 and debating that. Can I actually Not to pause mention, this for a second, Jim? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, and I and I mean this is going to sound. This is the first act, by the I'll, way. I was yeah. going to say, are we even at the inciting incident yet? No, 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 no. So, yeah. oh, the inciting incident. Yeah, the inciting incident. See, here's the thing: is that you could pull out the inciting incident a lot of ways. It could be that they get they they both get convinced that the cult is the way to go, right? And mm -hmm. then 
And then soon after that, within pages, they both see each other and they're, um, you know, they become roommates. So yeah. it's almost like within two pages. So yeah, but I, I want to pause for a second because I think that's the first big problem. Yeah. Because, you know, we've been talking for a long time and and I'm wondering what the inside, I'm, I'm unclear. I like, and, 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 and the bottom line is an audience doesn't want, especially in a movie like this, they don't want to pick out or look at the inciting incident a couple or few different ways, right? Right, right, right? You know, they want a very clear setup of, you know, why now? What is happening in this person's life? Late attack, right? We're, right, we're, we're, everything's going to change. I want to get a feel for the character. What I think lesson they need to learn, right? You know, what right. is the lesson journey that we're on? Get put all the pieces in place, and then something happens, right? That upsets the apple cart of their life. And right. I think that's the thing, especially for a rom com, that I'm not seeing yet. Does that make sense? I and I'm it, curious, it Carl. Does. I, I feel like Carl. One of the things that I'm that I would suggest to him already is, do we need to know all of this stuff about? Like, do you think, Carl, we need all those scenes with them getting involved in the cults? I feel like we would all would already want to meet them in the cults. Um, well, th there's a couple of different ways you could go with it, but the first thing that jumped out at me was, um, you, you set up and I, uh, Alina, is it Lena? Lena, uh, yeah. Lena is in a cult where she's basically, uh, recruiting members into the cult by sleeping with them. Mm -hmm. So there's a golden opportunity right there for her to reconnect with Ren this guy she kind of remembers from college. He remembers her. And she's like, here's my recruit for the night. And they and that's, and that's, that's exactly that's what kind of what it is. Okay. Yeah. Got they it. try to recruit each other and right. it's not working. Oh, got it. Right. Okay. And so, okay. but then at the end, they're like, just exhausted from doing it. And then got it's it. like, yeah. oh, well, we need to have, you know, we need a roommate. Okay. And so, okay. And, and I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, what's interesting is that there are two, and this is, this is also a challenge. There are two paths for these um, for these characters, a, they want to find connection slash enlightenment and B, they also want to find connection and enlightenment in a relationship, right? Which yeah. they're both having struggles. With. And, and by the way, I think both of those are very difficult things to actualize, to put in action, which, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to have you continue on with the, um, with kind of the, the, the unfolding of things, but I, but I will say this, um, as you're as as you're telling me, like there's two different ways for this to go. Um, a concern of mine would be is I, you know, like I keep thinking, oh my god, there's there's a contest between the cults, mm -hmm. where the leaders of the cults say, if you win the contest, your cult has to go away, and if I win the contest, my cult has your cult has to go away, and we're gonna send our two ringers, Lena and Ren, who happen to be in love. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a rom-com plot, you know, or, um, or, you know, they're, uh, they're like, Lena has, like, one of them has to rescue the each other from the cult because, because the cult really is like this, you know, this front for, you know, some nefarious, like, you know, fentanyl drug traffickers you know so well you're psychic you're psychic or or you just you know your shit okay got great. it i can't wait to describe <laughs> this but go ahead so uh, go ahead carl 
<clears throat> my thought was they're at odds over there's there's a couple of layers going on here they're at odds over you should be in my cult no you should be in my cult mm-hmm. when the thing that they're both looking for really is in this relationship that's what they right. both need they don't need the cults they but found they still the but you still need a plot to hang that off hang, of, hang that of course yeah. just thematically yeah what they they've gotten right. what they need and they don't know it right yeah right that's the right. other then, idea yeah, go ahead go the other idea that i had was that in the end we discover they are not in different cults this is one organization that has several different things <laughs> like this going on Oh, that's and interesting. They're both in part of the same larger manipulation that that they discover. Well, it's funny that you say that because um, in reality, and I, I'm a public speaker on cults and mind control from time to time, is that all cults are exactly the same. They just have different mythologies. They mm-hmm. use the same techniques. They use the same um, manipulation, um, hypnosis, mind control, the whole shebang. So in a sense, that is the case. And it was something that I wanted to hint at in yeah. there. And it's so it's also interesting. Okay, anyway. So so, so, to walk, yeah, so walk us forward for the plot. So we we're, we, we kind of get a sense for now. Now we're going to start to get into the, the adventure right. part of it, right? Yep. And so right. what happens next? Well, what happens next is they get a sense. Um, I won't go into the details of it, but um, they actually have a competition to see like who can do X, Y. Okay. So when you're in a cult, you can't think critically about your cult. So one of the things that if you talk to someone in a cult, you could say, okay, so if you're not in a cult, can you give me three things that you dislike about your organization? And it can mm-hmm. be anything. The coffee was cold. You didn't like the leader's haircut, something. Right. And they can't, they can't do it. I mean, it's impossible. Right. So they, you know, uh, Ren discovers, oh, Lean is into this, this, and this. And and that's just like a cult. So he he challenges her to come up with three things. She's like, well, fuck you, buddy. You come up with three things about your weird cult or your weird group. And they both just dissociate for a half hour and wake up and it's dark, right? So, um, and so now as far as uh, each other is concerned, maybe the other person's in a cult and I care about this person. They're my friend, right? So they both do research on their own about what it's like and what are the dangers of being in a right. cult. And it's, uh, you know, possible suicide, leaving people forever, a financial destitution. You know, the, the list goes on and they're both like, oh, we're racing against time before they get so in that their lives or literally could be uh, ruined, right? Ruined or, or they could be dead, which happens. And so, um, so they both work as hard as they can to learn about cults and also challenge each other about those. So this, there's sort of like a side, um, but most cults in movies are, uh, you know, depicted as, you know, they're in a compound, you know, they have guns, they're murderous. None of that almost never, that almost never happens. They're just the few that end up in the news. They're more mundane, right? And these, these are sort of the more men, you know, they go to their job. They don't wear weird clothes. You know, it's, it's all sort of straightforward. So, as they try to convince the other, it pushes them both away, if you can imagine. Yeah. But also, as they learn more about cults, their cult persona starts to break up and they start having concerns about their own group, potentially. And so, you know, they do their own research. Um, I've said that already. And what happens is they don't end up saving each other. They save themselves from their own research, come back together right. And say, now, what are we going to do about all of our friends and people we've recruited in the cult? Yeah. Can I pause this for a second, yeah, though? Because I, I think one of the things that I'm hearing is a lot of underlying ideas mm. and a lot of conversation 
but I'm not hearing a lot of plot. Yeah. And there is, I just, I mean, if I just go, it's going to take 20 minutes. No, but I, I mean, but I mean, hit. but yeah, I mean, even if, if I were to ask you to distill down in even into two sentences or three sentences, what is the action? What is the objective of the second act? Like, what do they do? What, what do they have to do? Right. Well, uh, the second act is they try, okay, just, just even though I'm repeating myself, they try to save each other. And while they do that, they start to f start to see how their own group is full of shit. And then they find out the deep, dark secrets that, like you were saying, that these groups are about, right? The fraud, I, yeah. the control, the like the MLM is really, you know, magic mushrooms at a low right. dose, right? And stuff like that. But, but and, can I pause you for ahead. a second? Yeah, but please. I think that's, I think that's where that's that's where it's probably struggling right now mm -hmm. because i don't think that is tangible or defined or singular enough yeah it feels to me like this should be happening more with one of them yeah mm -hmm. wh whoever the protagonist <laughs> is that they are in trying to convince the other that they're in a cult they convince themselves that they realize that they themselves are in a cult. And right. now what do I do about that? Right. It's almost right. like maybe that's like the midpoint of, you know, the first but, half but, of act and, two. Right. And to that point, I think you need to hang it on a more defined objective. Like, mm -hmm. like Ren is going to, is it Lena? Ren is going to right. break Lena. Uh, I, I know it's, you said these are mundane cults. We mm -hmm. can talk about how, stories need to be heightened reality in a well, moment it's heightened reality but when i yeah. say mundane it's, they're not they're not right you know Harry but, but my point is it's like maybe he's decided maybe she's gone on this weekend retreat to her multi-level marketing cult and mm -hmm. he decides that he's going to break her out that he that he or or that he's going to go there and and he's going to debunk the cult from the inside so she quits and he can mm -hmm. rescue her Oh, I like, but but I like in that, that Carl, to your point, I didn't mean to interrupt, but to your point, like in that, right, is what you're talking about. That's where he starts realizing, oh shit, what if I'm in a cult? Right. He 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 saves himself first. Right. And then he's like, now I have to, you know, try to convince her that she's in a cult. He realizes he's in one, saves himself. She's not convinced. Uh, it could even be, you know, at the midpoint, now he's out of his, mm -hmm. but she's becomes deeper into hers in some way. And my thought about that was, uh, you know, rom-coms usually have a romantic rival of some kind. Mm -hmm. So it could be whoever that is the head of her cult recognizes like, Oh she's... no, she's sleeping with her, her, her leader for sure. Great. So yeah. that can be sort of like the second half of act too. Like she goes deeper in and has someone else now. Yeah. It could <clears> even <throat> be that that's, when that happens, it happens. And, at and, that he, and he drives her to it because it, right. like literally. Right. In fact, one right. of the things I was going to say though, is he, I, he has saved himself and driven her further into her call. Well, I actually think it's okay if he doesn't, if, if he's still oblivious though, because one of the things Jim keeps talking about is that I'm oblivious to my own cultness. Like it would mm -hmm. make sense that somebody that's oblivious to their, that they're in a cult would try to go save somebody. And it's funnier. I mean, but, it's truly right. funny and, to and, watch. But, someone and who, I think yeah. it's actually all, I think the end of act two when mm -hmm. he finally, the dark night of the soul, big loom, whatever you want to call it, is when he finally mm -hmm. realized, oh, fuck, what if I'm in a cult too? That's right. You know, right. but 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 my point really is, is and, and I think that's what Carl's saying too, is I think, I think where it's going off the rails is you don't have rails, you know, because because it needs to be something like, um, I meet her, I like her, 
she gets she gets whisked away by Debonar leader who apparently she's sleeping with to this weekend retreat in Sedona, you know, where, where, where if she goes to that weekend, she's in it for life and it's a cult. And I'm going to go to, go to Sedona and I'm going to go undercover and I'm going to get her out. I'm going to take down the, that cult because I need to get her out. But in the process, you know, loses her and realizes he's in a cult. So in the third act, he's got to come through and go, oh, wait a second. I need to fix me. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. Let me, and, let me do it. And, and she fixed, oh, and she gets, she, she through that is inspired to fix herself as well. And I think right. that, and that takes into a, all that stuff. Into that's account. a, that's, that's a really good, it's a really good solution. One of the things, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still considering what you're just saying, because that is actually a really good idea. Um, one of the challenges that I found in, in, in looking inside of my middle-aged white guy is that I, I want to have the male character save the female character. And I don't want to want that. I want them to save themselves. And so that's yeah. that's the that's the challenge, right? right? And then of course she could save him. Now she's the main character. So I um, mean there's nothing wrong with that. I could totally go in that direction. So that's the um and here's the other piece, which is a challenge. Um can I say I, I think that's a darling on. you need to like you need to kill. Oh, you mean Carl, the darling meaning that, that meaning they I should that just have the, him the whole save who her. saves who? Yeah, I, I just think it's a darling you need to kill right now because I think I think you're stuck on a particular uh, a, a particular outcome, mm-hmm. you know, and that's and, and I personally think that that's causing you to limit your options for how a, a third act that could unfold beautifully, right, you know, right, if you right, allowed right. yourself to be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. because you're not you're not letting yourself be surprised by it right now. And I, to Carl, am I full of shit? Does that make sense? What I just said? Yeah, it does. I, I it may be that you end up finding a way to make that work. That's great for your story, but yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't stay married to it until you've right. really broken it and figured out. Right, right, know? right, right. And that's my point is, is and even the way you're talking about it, Jim, it's like you almost are recognizing that this is a darling that's begging to be killed, but I'm hanging on to it. And I, I think Carl's right. I think if, if it ends, if, if it, when all shakes out, it ends up that that's the great solution for him as yeah. he learns his lesson. Cause mm-hmm. that's the other thing that I'm not really certain, you know, it's something I tell screenwriting students all the time, you know, your third act is dictated by what lesson is my character learning, you know, what, 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 what how do they change from the, you know, from over the course of the story, from the first act to the third act. And I'm not even really sure that I understand what that is yet, you know, and that's going to dictate the end. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't gotten to that point yet, obviously. Um, But just real quick, as a quick aside over the course, this is an interesting situation because as individuals, uh, you know, uh, as characters, they obviously have their <laughs> wants, right? And they have their needs, like what they obviously need to learn. And then they have their flaws, right? But as their cult persona, the cult persona also has wants, needs, and what its flaws are. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not, you know, multi-personality, but it's almost like they have an outward cult persona and a buried internal persona. Yeah. And they both need to learn stuff. So the cult persona goes away and the internal persona is actually um, um, grat- gratified, uh, learned its lesson through getting rid of the Got outer it. persona. So 
this is also what I mean about, you know, moving parts. I really, I really challenge myself by, by, yeah. you know, picking this topic, but the, the final act is kind of like a, a zombie ending, right? They figure something out that they learned obviously from potentially the inspired by the other, right? Something they said or something they stand for and realizing through their, you know, um, their own experiences and maybe, yeah, experiences by inflicting their view onto the world while at the same time they've learned about cults, which breaks up the cult mentality that they, they figure it out, right? They figure it out now, like a zombie movie, they've killed the zombie, but the zombie gets back up. So you don't just realize you're in a cult and the mind control goes away. You can realize it and it's still attacking you with mm. the um, anxiety and the paranoia and even the visions that you were programmed to see, it all still goes on. And so that's kind of, so um, it's like they have to, it, it's and that's a sort of, you know, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, that's sort of how you do a third act, which is you think you figured it out and then there's one more so, battle where you're yeah, like, Yeah, I agree, shit, right? You know, I, th I think the issue is, is that all of this is so internalized mm. and, and to be honest with you, I I think, you know, it's 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 almost going back to um, the reason why when you wrote it as two women in love, it was a little easier. I I I think you're so inside the mentality of a former cult member and and yeah. all of the stuff that goes into it. I think you're so much of an expert. I think I think you are holding it too close. And 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 because you're holding it too close, you're seeing all these details we need to we need to, you think we need to understand about right. cults. And and the the bottom line is if if I'm doing a movie about race car drivers, about Formula One drivers, you mm -hmm. know, I'm I'm leaving ninety percent of it out. I, oh, I'm, about I'm, race car driving, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm 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 picking like what are the three things you need to know that that help you hook into race car drivers and that mm -hmm, world mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 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 everything else just kind of you know goes to the wayside or is consolidated and is you know and is woven into actions and what have you the the thing is and I I, I say that this at, at the risk of sounding offensive I feel like you're writing a a research paper you know I feel like right, I'm reading right, a right. great article about about getting out of cults but I don't feel like I'm watching a dark comedy or a dark romantic comedy. And I think that's where I would be, I, I would suggest you become less attached to that and find us something like we were just describing right. that it, that is a plot that you can weave in these ideas as part of the actions that they take. So for example, right. if he has to, if, if, if he goes and he has to go undercover to, 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 to fit into her cult Mm -hmm. And he knows that cults, you know, do a certain thing. Like, like there's always a test to see if you're really in the cult. You know what I right. mean? Right, it's right, like, right. And, and he does it wrong, you know, or or he does it right, but it causes complications that mm -hmm. he's got to react to. Does that make sense? It's like, oh, to it totally like makes he's got to go through the, the, the cult test and he thinks he's going to ace the cult test because he understands that this is a cult. 
you know, but it's like, in some respects, he's almost does it too well, you know, yeah, and, and maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe he then starts getting cult leader status on this weekend or like celebrity status. Cause have you met, you know, Bob, the new cult guy, you know, yeah, that's really and funny. Like, actually. And, and like the other, like the real cult leader is like, Hey, you're not supposed to have it. That is unwanted attention. All these, all these cult girls are thinking you're sexy now and not me, <laughs> you know, it's like something like that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what you're, that's what you're missing with it right now, that, that all of your action is really so metaphysical that- Well, it is externalized and I'm just bad at doing the longer pitch. No, that's I'm a, good at the three minute pitch. Like, Yeah, Austin, but the thing but is, like, is, is that as you're describing it though, I even think when you talk right now, when you're talking about externalization, you're talking about conversations that they're having. No, you're no, talking- no, no, not at all. So oh, okay. like, uh, yeah, and I'm just, like I said, um, I, I should have led with this. So for instance- you know, in Ren's cult, and I'm, I know we're going on forever, but in Ren's no, cult, this is good. yeah, um, he he believes that everyone in the world are psychic vampires. When you talk to somebody like in your family, and at the end you're like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I went through that. That's <laughs> sort of like so. Everything is is a transfer of energy. Either you're acquiring energy or you're giving energy, which is actually a theme in a lot of cults. And so, you know, he it becomes like an extreme where he literally sees everyone as vampires and zombies in the world. He sees that. We see that. He has to run away from them because he feels right. So this is all externalized in this way. And then once you're away from them, you can get your powers back. And I mean, your your energy back and because you're you're trying to not connect with people. Whereas, you know, Lena's experience is that, like I said, she needs to be dating. She needs to be connecting with as many people as possible because that gets you up a level or gives you a sash or, you know, just sort of like the Nexium sort of idea of a group. And so that's how it's externalized. And that's how they react to the world. It's I, I hear, I hear what you're actions. saying. And yeah, that's yeah. that's externalized insofar as it's things that physical things that happen. Yeah. But the and Carl, I'm kind of looking to you. It's like, but I, but it, what it doesn't sound like right now are things that drives a drive a cause and effect chain. You know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about get out where this guy's an objective. Can I get through the weekend with my girlfriend's parents that haven't that 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 I haven't met yet? And the answer is um, no, because they want to turn you into you know they want to steal your body for you know some older white dude that wants your eyes. You know, right, right, right. It's yeah. like and so so everything is about. You know, how does he get out of that? Carl, I'm curious, like, are, am, am I am, am I a face in this thought? I mean, are you seeing it the way that I'm seeing it? That these are things that happen, but they don't necessarily seem like they would add to a cause and effect chain. Well, I, I think it's, it, it's there's a lot of ideas here and there mm-hmm. being two cults that have their own rules and their own way they operate and the way that they're operating on these two characters is going to be very complicated to yeah. depict. Which you already um, see, Jim. Yeah. Well, I do. And, you know, like I said, you know, I, I was able to define it before and I've redefined yeah. it. And I'm not saying that it's completely effective, but yeah. what just to, so that's the, like, they're trapped by this externalization and, and wrong way of being. I believe that what drives them in this story is the desire to save the other person because they love them. Yeah. And so I it's almost that. like, it's, it's like the, you know, how, in in a in a rom com, you know, there's something that's the more they try to get together, the more they're pushed apart, mm-hmm. right? Or or the more they push apart, the more they're forced I, back together, right? Can I can I pitch something? Yeah, please. Um, <clears throat> what if if his can, assuming he remains the protagonist, that his arc is 
he realizes that he's in a cult starts trying to get her to get out of her cult can't do it that low point at the end of act two i i almost wonder if it's and it's it's not just because he kind of failed but it's also because he's struggling with this thing that you're talking about. If you know, you realize you're in it, but it, you're still a little in it. And his end of act two is he gives up and he joins her cult and she wins. She gets what she wanted was, which was for him to join. When that happens, that's the thing that starts it. All the stuff that he was telling her that she was like, no, 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 you're wrong. And then it works. he, gives up and he just joins her cult in act three and then she's like oh i all these things are taking root now i'm seeing what's happening to him to him and in uh, my oh that's really interesting yep i i and, like that a lot and and to be honest yeah. with you you know it that help that kind of fits within and jim i hear exactly what you're saying and I, and and by the way i think you're so close i yeah. i think the the big get your story straight moment right is that i think you have to hang it on a more defined singular physical plot for one main character like mm -hmm. i know she's in a cult and so i'm going to go rescue her on this weekend and in, and and at the result of by the end of act 2 i i don't rescue her i join the cult and then and then and then you have this third act mm -hmm. where there's this realization and they both get out of the cult. And that could be funny and it could be poignant and could be everything. Right. But I think that's the that is the bottom line here, though, is that is that you kind of have these two forces that still have equal weight that are that are pulling each other and ping and ping pong balling each other mm -hmm. instead of this singular drive. That's why I brought out get brought up get out, right? It's right. like the singular drive. Can I just get through this weekend? No, because they're trying to steal my body, you know. And 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 with them, it should be if it's he's the protagonist, you know, can he rescue her? No, because he's slowly becoming indoctrinated into the cult. <laughs> right. And then you she know? and she realizes it. So that's how she saves herself by watching him go. Yeah, down. exactly. And right. and and they, right. they basically change to Carl's point, I think they basically switch places at the end of act two. But now, but, 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 and, and then she, she kind of has this awaking moment, you know, and, and has to, has to remind him or convince him, you know, and, and that's the, you know, and that's the thing that kind of saves them both in the end that, that, that allows them to realize we don't need cults. We need each other. Right. Right. You know? And I think, I think they get to what you're talking about in the end, but I think, yeah, having that lopsided having that lopsided where yeah i, I like the dynamic that the, you're talking the other about last the part of it is though is i think i you know i get this idea of you don't need a cult you need ourselves but you know i, I tell students all the time and i do it with myself it's like what what is that very specific thing that they realize you know what is that very specific thing that they learn and it's something you know it's like is it i have to learn to trust myself instead mm -hmm. of other people you know, is it that I have to accept something? Is that that you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. that I, that I have to stop realize that being self centered doesn't help me. You right. know, and I think hanging it on something very specific like that, other than get out of a cult, getting out of a right, cult, right, 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 is is the manifestation of it. And the reason I mention that is because whoever your protagonist is, the bulk of that uh, of that first act just 
going through the thing about cults and how they get into a cult is all information and not very entertaining and not very movie like. Mm-hmm. I, I I would start with the late point of attack as late as they're already in the cult. They're already there. They're already. And that's what the very first version was. And yeah. every single note was, I want to see a meet cute. And I think and, that I think they don't know each other yet. I, I right, really, right. I wouldn't have, to be honest with you, my, my suggestion is I wouldn't have them. Um, I, I wouldn't have them know each other previously or, or, or when they have to have the meet cute, it's like, you just, that's when we learn just in time. Oh my God, I haven't seen you since high school. What's right. going on? You know, right, right, it's right. like, and the, and and you can have this connection as yeah. you're going from the inciting incident to to the objective. It's like I'm, you know, where they learn about that he that that you mm-hmm. know that she's in a cult and he needs to go rescue her, and he doesn't have an option because you know she's about to go through the process where she's lost forever, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. I think no, a later point of attack will help you because yeah. because up until that inciting incident, you want to really you really want to immerse the audience in this idea that he needs he's he might be out of the cult but he still needs to learn this mm-hmm. that he needs to accept himself or he needs to he needs to um uh trust himself or something like that because right. he could be out of the cult but still but he's still susceptible because he hasn't because he hasn't learned that thing inside that you know that that really will serve him for the rest of his life outside of a cult Right. And that's why I, I mean, you're exactly right. And, you know, whether I'm effective or not, that's a whole other thing. Well, but because I, I think that the interactions, right. though, just need to focus on that. Does that as we oh, get to totally. know his world, we just I, I tell students all the time. It's like that 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 lesson is kind of this core. And there's always I was like, there's always aspects about it. Like if I say Carl really needs to learn to trust himself, you know, mm-hmm. so what are five things that he should do? Like if we were friends co- over coffee talking about Carl who needs to learn to trust himself, like right. theoretically, hey. what are hey, sorry, what are five things that he would need to do? Or what are five things that he does now that that points to that he doesn't trust himself. And I have my students make a list of those things and mm. then create interactions before the inciting incident that show that that character is doing the bad part of it. Like, does that make sense? The other yeah. thing is, is that that also helps inform the third act because now my character is going to do things in alignment with those three or four aspects of, well, if you did trust yourself, you'd do, do it this way. So exactly. the other thing is that kind of gives you the, you know, that gives you the inverse for mm-hmm. for those things and i think that's enough that's really from another thing that i think we're missing in this movie and 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 of course you're just describing it to us and i yeah, get yeah, it yeah. but yeah. even in the description it's like i feel like we're we're so focused on these meta things that that's why you're pitching it that way does that make sense yeah it's like it instead of hey this is a story about a guy who doesn't trust himself and he doesn't trust himself and this happens and that happens and that happens but he meets this girl you know, girl that he knew in high school. She's really cute. It's a meet cute, right? Oh my God, she's in a she's in a cult. He's worried that because he be you know that that oh shit, you know she she's gonna kill herself just like he killed himself. And it, it's fucking weekend where she's about to go to da da da. So he decides that he's gonna go rescue her, right? Right, and, right. Know, I'm focusing more on the internal instead of the external. Exactly, action. exactly. Yeah. And the yeah, internal the will pit- come. That's the pitching skill. <laughs> yeah, but 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 I think listen, I think it's a cool, you know. I think it's such a cool story and a cool idea. And I, I am personally psyched to read the next draft. Oh, great. Will that be in in the next two weeks? Do you think? I think. Oh, no. Um, But um... (laughs) like, uh, Carl, what do you think? Maybe actually any, uh, any parting words of wisdom? Am I full of shit? Um, Well, always. Yes. Oh, good. Thank you. But not for these reasons. Not about about this script. Yeah. Uh, I, my feeling, uh, 
is that one of the best ideas that Bill presented here was uh, to lose all of the the preamble of them knowing each other from before. Mm -hmm. And this could be first half of act one is him. He's already in a cult. He's not happy that he knows something's wrong, but he's deeply in this thing. Mm -hmm. You have the meet cute. That's the inciting incident. He hooks up with this amazing girl. Um, and you, he's, he's starting to think, we think, we, the audience think, oh God, thank God she's going to rescue him. Right. This, this relationship's going to get him out of this thing. And mm-hmm. we're seeing it from like, he's involved with this person <laughs> now. And yeah. she's like, Hey, I think you might be in a cult or something. And mm-hmm. we're like, thank God, this woman is mm-hmm. going to save his life. And then we get to the end of act one. And the whole thing was her recruitment of him into her right. Cult. And and now he's got to try to get her out because now he realizes she's yep. in a cult. He's got to get her out of the cult over right. this weekend or what have you. And as and at the end, by the end of Act Two, he's the one that joins the and cult. I, and but but it, then it turns over again because now she realizes, oh my god, I'm in a cult. And now they have to. Yeah, I love that. And I think starting, you hang it on these other things that we've been talking about. You've got a right. very defined thread. Sorry, right, Kirk, right, right. No, it's good. Yeah, it's it's the starting later idea, and then yeah. that allows you to actually use her you know the meet cute which and they sleep together and everything it's a magical night you know it's it's you know, before and, and sunrise my, and, i think so and many then, of the and it's why you're nodding and you're talking about the pitching because i i suspect and i get that a lot of these elements are in there already well in a certain way but um it, are they buried right that's uh, that's exactly yeah, what i was going to say exactly, i think yeah. they're buried in kind of the these internalized externalized internal ideas mm-hmm. right that that feel like events and don't feel like a drive to a singular drive towards something right. and i think if you can just find that singular drive towards something that mm-hmm. he is trying to you know and i love the idea that this the way even carl described it because it really means that he thinks he's saving her mm-hmm. but she in the end saves him right you right. know, and and right. and, they, and they kind of save each other, and I th- the, and mm-hmm. I I love that idea. That yeah. I think, in a weird way, that speaks to the idea you wanted to write. <laughs> I, I was trying to you get know. to it where, in a, like in a romantic comedy, they save each other, but they also each save themselves. Yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're trying exactly to get it, it to yeah. where you, you have it both ways. And I think right. it helps you get there. And and I think if you just keep that singular focus for act two, especially, I think mm-hmm. that'll also inform and understand better his specific lesson that helps you inform, you know, act the beginning of act one and act three, as you're, as you're, you know, as, as you're kind of unfolding these things, you know, I, I think if you just define that act two better, act three is going to write itself because, right, right, because right. then it's just kind of getting, now he's gotten himself into this pickle. It's just going to be getting out of the pickle, you know, and, and her helping him because she's, because, because as a result of him trying to get her out, she has had this real awakening. Right. right. You know, and I think that'll help. No, I'd love to, you know, I'll make some changes uh, inspired by this and then, yeah, I'd love to hear your take once I send it to you for sure. Yeah. I, I think we, I think, I think we both want to officially read it I mean, yeah, I'm for sure for Carl. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's exciting. Thank you. <laughs> Jim Piccarello, my God, it was a bl- I know we keep talking about uh, Zooming. Apparently we did, finally. Yeah, here we are. Here we are, year after year. It's like, we got to get together. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on Get Your Story Straight. I hope the notes helped. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great, uh, great perspective. And um, I'm honored to, you know, be on the show.
You are Thanks, guest number one. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Talk Take to you soon. Bye bye. Okay, on that. Well, that's it, Carl. That's episode one. That's we're wrapped. How about? Oh my God. We uh on behalf of Carl and me and get your story straight, uh, we would like to thank the Scottsdale School of Film and Theater. Uh, that is not only our host site today, uh, but also has provided um amazing top-notch uh um computer and uh audio and video support today. Um, and specifically I'd like to thank Patrick Ballantyne. Uh, of our cage who has uh, set all of this amazing stuff up for us. I uh, would like to thank Jonah Garcia, who is our resident uh, uh, um, musical genius who has provided the music for the podcast. Jackson Williams, our intern. And of course uh, we would be nothing without Mr. Jim Piccarello, who was our uh, uh, just first I, I, victim. I, yeah. First, I don't want to say victim. Thanks, Carl, for saying victim. Yeah, our first guest. I was trying to use some superlative to talk about how awesome he is. But I'll just say our awesome first victim, right? Yeah, fantastic. All right. On that, uh, thank, you, thank you for joining us for uh, Get Your Story Straight. We hope to see you next time. And until then, keep writing. <laughs>